0: welcome to the vitality coach podcast with the mojo maker and host nikki fogden moore the vitality expert dedicated to helping you be the ceo of your business and your life with special industry and life-leading guests top tips on how you can create that magical blend of healthy, wealthy, and wise for CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, and people who do things with life.
1: Hi guys, uh, welcome back to the Mojo Maker Show. I'm your host, Nikki Fogden-Moore, and part of the Truth Series, I have one of my dearest friends and one of the loveliest humans on this planet i don't know how you're made from the stardust in the ocean who knows <laughs> but today i want to bring a really special guest onto my show to talk about some hard facts stats and also some actions that we can all take around not just knowing what the right thing to do is but doing the right thing and being part of the change we want to see in our planet and leadership And also in community so if you haven't already listened to the mojo maker podcast welcome 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 this will also be of course on the vitality coach tv on youtube and vitalitycoach.com.au as a kickstart for this i want to let you know that all the information links and bite-sized chunks on our top tips from this show will also be on the blog episode so with that administration out of the way I'd like to introduce you to Melanie Thomas, Mel Thomas, the mother of two beautiful girls. She is one kick-ass, two-times Australian Hapkido Woman of the Year, second-degree black belt martial artist, woof, and a two-times Australia Day ambassador, which is quite a feat in itself. Mel speaks passionately about domestic violence, intuition, self-worth, and self-protection. So of course, very close to my heart about accountability and having a voice and courage to say, no, these are my terms. She regularly speaks with universities, business groups, and communities. And I met Mel uh, through the Lane Beachley Foundation when I was mentoring there, and she won an amazing scholarship, so well-deserved. And that's how we kicked off our journey together. A couple more accolades, because you deserve this to be said out loud, described as enigmatic and the leader of a revolution to end the cycle of violence against women and children by Cosmopolitan magazine. So not only is it a personal privilege and a pleasure, but the service you've been doing in communities is uh, astounding and Mel, welcome. It's about time.
0: Oh, wow. Thanks, Nikki. What an intro. Uh (laughs) You always do your work. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to be on this show. Can you believe it? From probably seven years ago now when I won the scholarship with Lane Beachley Foundation and then I met you and you were just this larger than life character and, and a powerhouse within your own right. And I was thinking, how do, how do I tap into whatever this, this woman's got? And and now here we are with some big runs on the board, some big runs. And and uh, it's, you know, I'm really excited to be talking to you as a truth teller today. Yeah. The truth well. series. Yeah. Hard hitting. Yeah. So if you don't
1: like the truth, better click off now. but yeah. <laughs> um, if you do like it, we do want to tell you how to share it, receive it and stand up for it. So, um, you know, Mel, you found a key up which is a uh, up. it's kind of like yeah. the expression you do to to stand in your power. Is that right? You've come and you've taught some women at my retreats, you've been part of many things and a visionary in your own world and for your young girls, but you've founded these self-defense workshops because of your own story. So I know we don't want to focus. I have a 10-90 rule, 10% the past, 90% the future. But right I do them. think it's really, really important that listeners and viewers today just hear a little... You know, elevate a snapshot of what you went through because that is part of your story and's given you the strength to stand and talk and share and educate
0: yeah well, look, Nikki, like one in three to one in ten families, I grew up with family violence my my dad had mental health problems and, and issues around alcohol and um, and I probably would never have done anything about it until I met this young woman who had she'd gone through a lot. She'd been growing up, she'd, she'd grown up with domestic violence and she'd met a group of guys. And, um, she just found herself in a very disempowered situation. And I remember her telling me that she was just there one moment, then they sort of, everybody came around her and she said, I froze. I didn't know what to do. She talked about how she'd been, she would experienced this assault in a way that had completely shut her down. And I remember At the end of this, this, and I won't go into the details of it here, but I remember at the end of this really harrowing story, she turned around, she looked at me and said, Mel, what did I do wrong? And I thought, God, I think I've been asking myself that same question for half my life. I applied to Lane Beachley's foundation and I had this, this idea what if instead of feeling embarrassed and ashamed of my personal story, I could own it? And what if I could take my 20 years of specialist self defense training and create something? that would help girls, especially at that time, find their voice and stand up for themselves and to stand up for each other. And key up means to shout, and it's a Korean word we use in martial arts. Um, I've worked with with students all over Australia. I spent a lot of time in Indigenous communities and, and essentially what I'm trying to do is just pay forward the skills I've learned in my martial arts training, but also in my experience as a woman and in life, and, and help people to sort of speak up for themselves and especially speak up for each other. So with the martial arts component or, and the self-defence component, really, it really it helps people understand that they're stronger than they think. And I love working with Indigenous communities, especially because look, if you're an Indigenous girl, you're up to 80 times more likely to be hospitalised for assault in some parts of this country. It's not enough. We're not doing enough. And uh, I know I can do something that can help them protect themselves. And so that, that's what I do. That's what Key Up does.
1: So do you feel that you embarked on your martial arts journey because you came from a household where you needed to defend yourself and your own story and that gave you the discipline, strength and fortitude to, to fight your way out of that situation, like metaphorically
0: and physically, if you like, have yeah. you ever had to use it? Uh oh gosh, I have to, I can't tell you the answer that question. Yeah. I, I um so look, two parts to that question. It's a good question. Why did I why did I start doing martial arts? Uh I wish I could say that I had some great origin story. The truth is I was seeing this guy, he took me along to this gym to show off, and I was sitting on the ground all dressed up, watching him do all his martial arts stuff, and I thought, wow, you know, that looks pretty cool. And I saw these women and they were defending themselves and they were like, kill Bill. They were standing in a circle, there were bodies flying everywhere and they were using their voices and I thought, I wonder if I could do that. I had to know, could I learn to protect myself? Because honestly, up until I'd seen that, it had never occurred to me that I could. So then I started going to these classes. I didn't know anyone who's ever done any martial arts, you'll know that you think you know your left and your right until you have to try and coordinate not punching yourself in the face or anybody else. Um, and I loved it. You know, I started to learn that I was much stronger than I ever thought, that a lot of the valuable life lessons, a lot of my friends that have, have grown up in, in these households where nobody ever raised a voice or it was just like a, like a Brady Bunch type of, of uh, childhood. Mm. For me, it was, it was the first time that I'd seen people control their emotions. Right. yeah. And, and I learned how to be accountable yeah. and how to yeah. stand my ground. Yeah. And, and that's what the martial arts journey has been for me for yeah. more than 20 years.
1: And I think the valuable thing in martial arts, if you're a true, if you go through the true process of martial arts and anything about this warrior spirit is that you actually never have to use force or violence. You actually, you know, the whole idea is to not to deploy. I know my Marine Corps friends, you're all going to argue with me with this, but (laughs) you you don't want to have to use all the necessary forces. You actually just want to be able to matrix yourself and avoid that in the first place. So it teaches you the spider senses of complete awareness. And that kind of brings us fast forward to 2020 now from 2013, where I first heard your story and we've been popping it in each other's lives throughout that point. And then everyone now in this epidemic or pandemic or whatever you want to call it, we have them every few years. I don't know why this has to be such a big deal because we've we've lived with so many viruses. We've lived with cancers. We've lived with global financial crises, wars, all sorts of things. And yet again, it's like someone got um, ambushed, you know, But but life is a rally. Life is all ups and downs. It is things out of our control. So it's all about the perspective. And that very much is in being a black belt martial artist is around harnessing your mind and your spirit as much as it is your physical power. And that's very much what you're teaching now. So one of the reasons I got you on the show to talk at the moment, Mel, is, you know, I'm extremely passionate about ensuring that we have really remarkable leaders managing most of the money in this world so that people with good values are driving the economy. So that's going to take a bit of shifting, right? And a lot of those people perhaps have never really stood up before or had to have a voice. They don't want to fight, but they're, the sea and the ocean is parting for assertive behavior for speaking up for ourselves. And let's just book in that with the comment of speaking up for others. So yeah. let's talk a little bit today. We fast forward from key up and we talk about work buddy check, Yeah, uh, which I think is just the most fantastic initiative as someone that often goes into board level and, executive teams and triage situations to help out. We've got traffic light red zones. Uh, It's the first conversation that you have that defines the next trajectory, whether you're the person that is under attack or, you know, receiving the information that person is under stress. So just talk a little bit about why you jumped into work buddy check and what that does just, just to give us
0: a sing. Okay. Well, So when the pandemic hit and all of the front-facing work that I do with the charity, it stopped. And at the same time, all of the clients that I service, particularly the not-for-profits and and all the domestic violence shelters, they reached out to me and said, Mel, we can't actually contact anybody and the issue is not going away. We know, for example, that if you are pregnant, that that's one of the most high-risk times in domestic violence. And I had a not-for-profit up in Queensland calling me saying, I've got 40 women that I know are in crisis right now. What can we do? What can we do? So I was thinking through some of the strategies that I use in KeyUp to help young people stay connected. And one of those strategies is called a trust text. And look, I've converted this, this idea of a trust text into a buddy system. It's like a compliance system that businesses can use. It's so that if you're working remotely, I'm focusing on domestic violence because that's something that I'm very passionate about. I can bullshit check when businesses say, "Yeah, we've got domestic violence policy" or "We've done some training." It's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. needs to be more, especially if yeah. you've got people working remotely. Yeah. So Work Buddy Check is this system that allows people to check in working from home in a way that protects their dignity and maintains their privacy. Yeah, it's What it's,
1: happens uh, when you know, I think this is the point we talked about truth, right? So let's just lay it all out on the table, yeah. right? We know a that this is an epidemic. We know this is a serious serious issue. We also already know that domestic violence is not tolerable. And and by the way, it's not just men to women, there are the reverse things as well. But we know all of this and we know these all these helplines But what I want to talk about today is what let's put ourselves in that situation where you are backed into a corner and you have someone about to rain down on you and you have a moment where you can reach out and press someone. How do we go to make someone feel immediately safe and heard that we see you? You're not, you know, it's that immediate recognition. I see you. I, I recognize you. You are significant helpers at hand. How do we do that? Because knowing is one thing following through as the other.
0: Yeah. So you have to create a, a space of trust and people have to know that they're not discriminated against. So that means you've got to do the work. You can't just say, I've got a domestic violence policy and and it looks like this and this is the definition of it. You can't just roll out a something that maybe the Combank, I mean there's some great resources out there, but you can't just roll it out and say, Yeah, that's what we do and that's what matters. Yeah. You've got to do the work. Yeah. When I'm going in there now. I'm talking to these businesses. What have you got there? What's your policy look like? What's best practice? Yeah. How can we get you there easily, quickly? And, and
1: what happens? What happens when that person, I had a call on Friday, right? With the with a C-suite level and that mm-hmm. person, what happens when that person has the head in their hands and you're at, you're that first port of, port of call. What does Work Buddy do, Work Buddy check do to set in line a motion of stages that will send support out. How does it work?
0: Well, first of all, we have to talk about disclosure. And so there's two parts of what you're saying. There's there's the the person who's at risk who is sitting there at her computer and she's doing her work. Now, as I mentioned to you in the past, recently there's been a Supreme Court decision where it's devastating. A woman was working from home. Her partner came, hit her in the back of the head with a hammer. He killed her and the employer was found liable. This is unacceptable, but it's yep. also, I believe, her death should not be in vain. This is a bloody wake-up call. Yeah. We can't just say we've got policy yep. and we care.
1: And we so- can't just put it all on the company either because, the, you know, this is the point. There's a gap between action yeah. and reaction and it's that bit that's so crucial.
0: Yeah. So it's about, it's about creating an environment where if I am at risk and I'm the one in six women or the one in 16 men who is in crisis and I work for a business, I need to know that they understand how they can help me if I'm in crisis. So, I mean, the action for that, I mean, for people that are watching this and they're thinking, what can I do to make my policy more accessible? and more compassionate, I mean, you need to actually have, if you've got people working remotely, you need to have people, you need to have a space in your business and you need to also protect that person's privacy. You need to look at their security. You need to have a, a, an action plan uh, that's accessible for everybody in the organisation that doesn't send people off looking at 100 different documents, be clear on what sort of leave that you have for someone in domestic violence crisis and be clear that it's domestic violence crisis lead. And let's just talk about the traffic
1: light system Mm -hmm. because I use that uh, all throughout. You know, you can see editing behind me here. (laughs) You know me, I don't just come out with a book. I come out with everything around it. So because the thing that you and I love is practical tools, right? All good, I hear it, I hear it. What do I do next? So it's about into action, right? So let's talk about the traffic light system because someone can come in and you can then identify is that person in the green zone the amber zone the red zone the red zone is almost like this is a state of emergency it's a it's a police call it's a it's a follow up like we have to go through the the flow chart of triage so by installing that traffic light system you take out all the conversation because when someone is in a state of duress and stress they don't want to have to explain what's going on seven times That's when you've right. been attacked you don't want to have to say why you feel afraid. You just want to get out of that situation where you're in fear. That's the first step. And I that's think a lot of awesome. programs make people over-explain and they don't take someone out of the environment, which is life-threatening.
0: Yes. Yes. And look, the, the system that we're working on, it's a world first. This is a technical innovation that's, it's real-time support for people. And, you know, I, I'm working with tech partners now. We're still building it. And it's probably one of the most exciting things I've ever done. The idea is the traffic light system is green, yellow, red. Green is to say that they understand and that everything's okay. Yellow is an escalation stage. And that's for, it's like firewood and training. So people know how they get support and how we can activate uh, the policy that we help you work on as well. But then red is straight to emergency services. And I've had a great relationship with the police. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of my board directors is a, an amazing man who was a former head of Scotland Yard in the UK. And so working, I think I think a lot of these these tools that people do have in place around domestic violence don't involve the whole through support system. Yeah, the, And yeah, three sixty approach. Yeah. Yeah. And and we need to go through the lines. So, you know, it's certainly one of the most exciting projects I've ever worked on. And um I think it's going to help a hell of a lot of people. Yeah. 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 So let's
1: just bring this back into relevance, right? So we know who you're trying to reach and, and I think this is fantastic. And we'll put all the links for work buddy check and and by all means I always say to people you can have all the the vision boards and and the ingredients inside your organization and the best laid plans. I know we've spent more money on mental health and well being and HR, billions of dollars more than ever before. And I've just written a whole book dedicated to moving people out of overwhelm. So in a world that is so connected, we are so disconnected from the immediate practical steps to make people feel significant and make them feel safe. The first thing is anyone that's listening to this You need to show up for yourself, which means denying the situation you're in. And that thing is when you have mental abuse as well as emotional and physical abuse, you can't see the wood for your trees. And I know a lot of men that I talk to, they doubt themselves. They go, was it just me? Am I doing something wrong? And let's come back to that first statement. What did I do wrong to deserve that? Not This is not okay, regardless of what's going on. I am worth this. So if it means that you have to look at your child and... Do the right thing for your children first, because you can't do it for yourself yet. Yeah, that is the very first protocol. What trigger will help you take responsibility to access that the situation is not okay? Uh, that's the first thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think Nikki. You know, I I did a, um, I was talking about a client that I'm working with. She's uh, an amazing woman, right? Incredible woman, incredibly accomplished. You would not look at her and think, God, this woman has A partner who's in prison for nearly killing her. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she's like, I want to go back to him. And and she feels stupid and she feels belittled. She's everybody in her circle's going, What are you doing? Why would you go back to him? He's in prison because he's assaulted you. And and I think there's two parts of the conversation that keep getting left out around domestic violence. One is that we make victims, victims we're well meaning they make, people make victims feel stupid. Oh, a hundred, you know, you,
1: you know, I think being a victim is for whatever word, however, throw that, you throw that around, they get persecuted. And then you, the self-doubt creeps in even more because yeah. I know the conversation I had to you two weeks ago about the board level, the first or mm-hmm. second call I made, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's probably going to be seen as dramatic. And I was like, not on my watch, Yeah, there is, you know, you know, when something's not okay. So the fact that we, that we are with the Me Too movement and, and that we actually patronize, I think, is probably a good word and because you can't put yourself in that person's shoes. You know, so the fear of having to voice what's going on is already hard enough. And the persecution that comes with that is is you're right. It's soul destroying.
0: It is. And and the other thing that I'd like people to consider is this, and I, I say this all the time, especially when I'm talking in boys' schools and and the guys go, why does she stay? Everyone always says to me, why does she stay? It's pretty simple. The person that causes the pain is the person who gives the relief. So, you know, it's... I got goosebumps. It's like there are two instincts that should never be in conflict, the instinct to love and to stay and the instinct to protect yourself. Yeah. The person you trust the most deadens that instinct for you to protect yourself, like right down to the point where you physically can't even protect yourself anymore. Yeah. Much less emotional, financial, it's everything. Yeah. And you forget what makes you you. You lose your essence. And the last thing you need is everybody well-meaningly saying, You're not you anymore. You know, why what you're doing yeah. it wrong. You're doing it. And, and they're already being told all day you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. So I think that. It would be nice to start, and I'm glad I'm having this conversation here with you, Nikki, because I, I, I'd like to see more people just think about it. Like, well, I think we're going to
1: go one step further from this, yeah. babe. I think what we're going to do is we, I've, I've been certainly drafting up scripts for my CEOs and people that and I said, don't go into that person's office and say, what, tell me what's wrong. Say, I'm proud of you for having the courage to phone Nikki or whatever else and own up that things are not okay. Well done. Shake their hand if it's a guy and then say, we look forward to supporting you. So what I would like to do with you Mel is let's work on a script. So we'll do a script for acceptance and acknowledgement and we'll give people a few examples. We can do this offline and I'll I'll share some documents and then we'll upload it and we'll do, you know, 10 or 12 sentences that you can use. Number one, if something is going on in your world and you need to say, please, can you hear me without judgment? This is the most frightening thing I have to say, yeah. however, and then how to receive that information with grace and integrity to create a safe place for truth to be aired. Mm. So I think what we should do is use our time together to create the scripts around that Yeah. and the scripts for organizations to go back to HR, to go back to their policies and say, please show us the one page flowchart with examples of what you should say and do at each of these steps, because we make it too open to interpretation to go check they're okay. So someone might go, you're right, mate. And walk off. We got, you know, we need to provide, it's like, you know, there's a great expression I always use at the moment. We tell kids and we tell our staff, we tell our, we go, just listen. We don't tell people how to listen, listen. you know, we say Mm -hmm. concentrate, just We don't tell people how to concentrate. So I think one of the things that I'm excited about, you know, the parallel of what, let's show people how to have these conversations and how to be a good friend and how to be a good colleague and go, I know this is all out there for those of you listening going, yeah, but there's, are you okay? And, but it's deeper than that. It's, it's the look in the eye that just shows someone that that's Okay.
0: You know, uh, so Nikki, I've done some work around a framework that we do have with businesses, which I'll I'll, I'll share with you. And we can sort of work from that, but it's around listening, reassuring, respecting, and then referring. Yep, perfect. Um, Because it's it's hard in that moment of disclosure to know what to do. It's exactly what you're saying. So I think setting this up so that people not do, but also one step further, because we always go one step further, Nikki, like having a role play. Yeah. Actually having that moment, because I know a lot of people that have told me that they've had a moment of disclosure that felt comfortable. They've said it. And then the person on the end is just like deer in headlights going, Oh my God, <laughs> what, what do I, do, do, I that? do? And you know, when, when you have that moment of disclosure, when you are in crisis, you're more worried about what the other person is 100%. thinking. hundred percent. So yeah. you're, you're, you're not even present to your own problem. You're like, oh God, I've, I've upset them. They don't know what to do. And I know that if you're that person that they've spoken to, that means that they trust you. Like they, they could be trusting you with their life. Yeah. So it is really important. And I, I, I'd love to work with you some more, Nikki. I love working with you on projects on so how, well,
1: let's, yeah, let's bring out that, listen, reassure, respect, refer steps. I'll bring that to life and the stuff that you give me to share on that. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing is we're talking about everyday training for everyday humans. Yeah. Um, and I've just done this in the truth series, which is how to, which anyone going through domestic violence or intimidation, emotional abuse, mental abuse, physical, financial, whatever, start that truth series one to four, because it will it allow you to define what's really going on and understand the blurts around the fear that comes with accepting what is, or as Byron Katie says, loving what is. And then, you know, step two is articulating that and having the courage to look at that script and goes, I am in an unhealthy situation. I'm afraid of my life. Step three is who are you going to share that with? And step four is asking someone to hold space for you while you say, I need you to respect this is the toughest thing we have ever had to share. Like police get training on that, right? Mm. You know, military yeah. do. But friends don't. It is no handbook on how to be a good friend in times of crisis.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a really important conversation we need to have. And I think people want, they want to help. They want to 100%. be supportive. And they're looking around and they just don't have... The tools, or they're not sure if the person telling them is legit and sort of walk the talk, or it's too far removed. I mean, when, we, when I started Work Buddy Check, we went and spoke with hundreds of businesses. Oh, God, it felt like hundreds. It probably wasn't, but it felt like hundreds of businesses. We spoke with so many people at different levels, and everybody was saying the same thing to me. They, they, under, they think they understand domestic violence if they didn't they felt like they wanted to do something, but they just didn't know what, they didn't know what to do. Yeah, And so pulling together like a, a one place where you can have these conversations, access these frameworks, have the definitions that you need, have the training, but also I think most importantly, put a face to it.
1: Yeah. I think you're right though. There's probably a lot of people listening to this going, oh, but red cross salvation army the police and there's so many foundations across the globe so i think all the ingredients are there but this is coming back to the epidemic of overwhelm we can't yeah. find anything when we really need yeah. it it's like yeah. can't ask well, we keep asking siri for everything rather than <laughs> enjoying what's in here. so what yeah. we've, we've become a nation of people on autopilot not on information not yeah. on confidence and knowledge is power right yeah. So I think whoever is listening to this, whether you're in a corporate environment or you're listening to us at home, uh, and if you are listening to us at home and you feel you're in an amber or red zone, please yeah. confidentially reach out uh, to Mel at KEOP and, and to myself and Fogden Moore. message us on Instagram or wherever you feel the most safest, but we will legitimately help wherever we can and redirect you to the first port of call. But I think what we all need to understand is that when you are already confused that makes it even harder to know where to go. Absolutely. So Mel, the first thing, there's two parts of this, uh, Work Buddy Check, people can find out about that. Is there a website?
0: Yes, you can go to workbuddycheck.com. Uh, and um, Key Up Project, if you would like me or Key up to come along to your community group, school, you can get, find us on K-E-Y-U-P Project dot com dot au that was my dog i got a pandemic puppy sorry
1: <laughs> i right. sorry i didn't hear anything but what i will say is you know there's a lot of power through virtual connections so if you want to run a session with mel or or you want to have us come talk about accountability awareness and out of survival mode uh which is you know recognizing the signs dropping the pin taking taking an accountability stop uh first aid mental emotional physical first aid giving yourself the allocated time to come to terms with what's going on, whether you've given the information or you've received it, and then making the next step from chaos to calm, it, these things need to be in a constant cycle. And as an organization, having a policy is not enough. It's yeah. the bits in between. We don't want people to fall through the cracks of, of a system where, where the individual moment, that individual first point of interaction is, defines trust for the yeah. second and third step.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, one of the other things I love so much about work buddy check right now, and like at the moment I'm about to launch the domestic violence policy for the ASX and what we're all agreeing on is authenticity. Yeah. You know, for them to be able to say, Hey Mel, come along and let's do a session and talk about the policy. Let's work with you on how we can tighten it up how we can improve our security or our action measures. But then let's put a face to it. Let's not just send out HR email. Here's our DV policy. I'm really fortunate that we're now in a position where we can talk to business because I've spent all these years, Nikki, talking with students, universities and schools and community groups, and now to be bringing business into the conversation. It feels like we're really going to have some massive... Progress yeah. towards ending the cycle of domestic violence because it has to stop.
1: I know, and and I just believe companies are the new community, and I'm, I think you should yeah. be so proud of yourself. And and I love that authenticity, which is whatever wherever you're at this point, whether you run a large organisation, you're an HR director, you're sitting in your car, and you're founding your next business, who or whether you're just running your household, nothing you've done is wrong. We're talking about evolving what you've got, tweaking it, shifting coordinates, and I think this is one of the things that. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's just called leveling up and going, how can we make small shifts in coordinates for massive impact and having people that will show up for you in all ways possible. And I certainly, that's what I love about you and I, if someone says uh, show up, well, they better be ready because, (laughs) you know, and I think the the last thing I want to just cover off Mel is ethical bystanding. Yes. Okay. Yep. We've very got a few important. minutes. Very, very important. I remember being pulled off. I was walking up the beach uh, with my dog, Roxy, who's like family, and a guy was coming down the stairs and he kicked her in the stomach, right? So yeah. he just came this, and he just kicked her repeatedly. So I ran up the beach stairs and I just tackled him because he would just not stop kicking my dog. She was just doing her own thing. And then one of the guys from the neighborhood had to pull me off that guy, you know, but I could not stand by and not intervene in any form of violence. So, uh, whether it's a conversation in the boardroom, whether it's icing someone out, whether it's gossip at a lunch table with a group of girls, my new policy is I'm not being a part of that. That is not acceptable. I'm acknowledging this has to stop. I'm not just sitting there and saying nothing. I'm saying I don't agree with that behavior. Um, I'm not necessarily going to reach across the table and grab someone's tie. Uh, mafia yep. style, but yep. I think that there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Messed my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Mess with my dog. But um, but I think that what I would love to see is how do we uh, empower, not what I would call people police, which is I saw you do that, yeah. but the words for people to go, I don't agree with that statement and speak up for others. So yeah. let's just give someone a couple of tips on how do they actually speak up for others? How do you sit around a boardroom table, sit around a group of friends and where you're the only one, everyone else is sniggling because usually there's always one bully in the room and everyone's a bit shy to kind of call it out, but everyone knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. How do you become the person that says, I'm sorry, I'm not buying into that?
0: Well, uh, ethical bystanding from a violence perspective, it's the same whether it's in a boardroom or whether it's on the street. Yep. But your intuition will tell you that something isn't right. If, if, if it's not a physical thing that you can't see or do or feel or touch, it's this inner knowing where you go, oh, this isn't right. And for me, it'll be a little, a little voice inside my head that'll go, nah, that doesn't look right. I should do something. But the reason people don't step up, the reason people don't do anything is for, there's a few, there's a few things. One, they're afraid of being seen as the cause. So they don't want to get involved. They'll stay back. Two, they, they don't want to be, they're afraid that it could turn on them. Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah. they, don't want to be, they, they don't want to be the new victim. And yeah. uh, another reason people don't step up is because they look around and nobody else is doing anything. So if they're not doing anything, why should I? Yeah, It's interesting when there, all this research that I've looked into around ethical bystanding, which I won't go into here, but I, I highly recommend look up Kitty Genovese and ethical bystanding and how and why this became a thing. The thing is, the thing that will get people out of the bystander bubble is action. Uh-huh. So when you have the courage to speak up, and say something, whether it's in the boardroom or whether whether it's in the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. That one moment is usually enough to kickstart somebody else. But speaking up and being that one is hard. Yeah, and
1: normally there's a gap, right? I know, I know that that in many situations, let's just be realistic, mm. there is an icy now of the person that does speak up. But the closing of that gap is becoming more prevalent now, and. I do think I want to carefully articulate that we're not saying get amongst it and, and join a street fight and try and pull people off and be a hero. We're saying assertive action. And I think that's the differentiation. You know, the one thing I dislike is people pulling out their phones and filming something going on when they could probably call the police and get involved and stop it or whatever it is or call someone. So I do believe we've become generation exhibition. And yeah, that right. is dangerous. And so yeah. I think if you can provide the links to the research and we can maybe do another show yeah. around yeah. how to take assertive action without putting yourself in danger, whether it's mental danger, perceived financial danger, I see now at a at a you know, this happens at a management level or a team level, mm-hmm. at a lunchroom. Yeah. It's it's workplace, it's community, it's people
0: based behaviors. And, and it's an environment. So, you know, if, if you're in, in a culture where it's been put up with for too long or because people are afraid and they mm-hmm. don't want to speak out, it's, it, it, it is, it's a whole show unto itself, ethical bystanding. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like your intuition to protect yourself needs to take precedence over anything else. Yeah. And you've had the courage to stand up and back yourself back yourself the whole way. I mean, that's, that's how, that's basically yeah. my one way in life. You're to stand up. You can back yourself. Yeah. You can't and go it, back. Yeah. You can't go back. And it comes down to your values and living, living your values and knowing your worth.
1: Yeah. And there's a really good TEDx video. I'll try and find it about how to deal with bullies, because yeah. if you, if you, there's so, I think there's lots of convergence of all the th- conversations we're having here, because what we're saying is, domestic violence, any kind of violence where there's bullying, shadow work, you know, um, suppression and operating in a culture of fear, that has to stop. So, you know, I think that Mel, the work you've done with KeyUp and the work you're doing now with Work Body Check, the technical, technical things you're putting in with the app, the ability to do a traffic light system and to simplify the immediate response and the tools is highly commendable. And it's so wonderful to be able to talk about it on the show. We could rattle on for hours and I would love I to. know. <laughs> um, but I think what we'll do is we'll put a face to this program. We'll put the links in. We will talk about what to do next. Let's make this, uh, if you can just put some of the, um, the things around. I put want, you've got to want to help. You've got to do, you've got to take action and you've got to follow up with the next step. Um, and then listen, reassure, respect, and refer the steps inside an organization, or inside a family, inside a community where you acknowledge that something is not right. That's the very first step. So Mel, last thing that you want to say, I know we've got some pretty horrendous statistics we can pepper in here too, mm. um, but what's one, what's one piece of advice uh, as we close out today's episode uh, with your gorgeous and motivated self that you'd like to give to anyone listening today?
0: So the piece of advice I'd like to give everyone listening today is you already know. You know, you know the answer. Uh, listen to your instinct. You know, this, we live in a society now that values logic and reason and data and spreadsheets. But at the end of the day, you're a human. And listen to your inner knowing, your, your instinct, your intuition. It will always have your best interest at heart. Yep, thank
1: you so much, Mel. You can find uh, Mel Thomas on LinkedIn at WorkBuddyCheck, at KeyUp, Cosmo Woman of the Year, founder, CEO, game changer, and all round kick ass superwoman. It's a pleasure to have you not only as my friend, but also someone who inspires me to also speak my truth daily. And I look forward to working with you on highlighting the work you're doing um, globally. So well done. And if you're listening to the show, this is the Mojo Maker podcast, Vitality Coach TV episode with Melanie Thomas uh, on how we can raise the bar and take action uh, on eliminating domestic violence and what to do about it when it's close to home. So more on the show, on the blog notes, you can find all the links. We would love a like and subscribe. Please leave us a review on iTunes. We would love that so much. Uh, And also on YouTube for notifications, Monday Mojos go out, sign up, Love to have you. You are in the driver's seat of this life. This is not a dress rehearsal, ladies and gentlemen. So be healthy, wealthy, and wise and put the work in. We love you very much and stay tuned for next time. Thanks, Mel. Thanks,
0: Nikki. Oh, you're the best. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'd love your review on iTunes or you can jump online to the vitalitycoach.com. For more from Nikki, to sign up for the Monday Mojo and the Vitality Coach TV on YouTube.